Sundays this morning. For those of you who are fairly new to us or visiting with us, we started a series. It's not going to be a lengthy series. I think we said six weeks. Uh, the Essentials of the Christian Faith. Um, we want to be grounded in what it means to become a Christian and to be a Christian. First Thessalonians chapter 5 is the verse this morning. If you find your place uh, in the Word of God and join us by standing, please. First Thessalonians chapter 5. I'll begin reading verse number 17, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Please join me in first, verse number 18 in every other verse until we close together verse number 24. God's Word said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We'll be talking to you about that tonight in prayer. Quench not the Spirit, despise not prophecy. Prove all things, hold fast to that which is good, abstain from all appearances of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and your soul and your body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that called you, who also will do it. The text verse is found in verse 23, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit uh, and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you about this morning, uh, about how to do that and how that we ought to have God consciousness as we walk in the Christian life. We'll speak to you about this this morning. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Father, help us this morning. Thank you for the spirit we all already feel. And Father, thank you for answered prayer some that we can mention, others that we cannot mention. It's a blessing to see Brother Donald back here with us today, continue to be with both he and Barb. And we do thank you, Father, for bringing LaVey through, and I know there's a ways to go yet. Continue to be with her, please. Father, arrest our spirit this morning. May we leave aside the cares of the world, and for the next half an hour or so, may we look to your word and be guided by your spirit. Father, I don't want to say anything that is not found based in your word. If I do, please help it to be soon forgotten. I desire to be led by your spirit and bound by your word. And so, Father, teach us from your word this morning how that we ought to walk pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. blessings we pray for peace comfort for family protection while we sleep we pray for healing for prosperity we pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering and all Sleepless nights are what it 
Take your Bible now back to Thessalonians, the essentials of the Christian faith. Let me remind us what we've learned thus far. We looked at the first week at the nature of the Christian. We saw that we should pick up the passion of Christ. What was the passion of Christ? To do His Father's will. We said that we ought to pick up the purpose of Christ. Luke 19.10 tells us the purpose of Christ. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. I don't understand as children of God that we don't, we don't mind whether or not 
we're saved and on our way to heaven and we never share the gospel with other people. We ought to pick up the purpose of Christ. But then we warned and understood that if we pick up the nature of Christ, that it will lead to the sufferings of Christ. The greatest persecution in the world today is not against the Muslims. The greatest amount of persecution is against the child of God, always has been, always will be, till he comes and raptures the church out. We looked at the second week of the sustenance. How can I, once I'm saved, how can I, how can I live the Christian life to the glory of God? We looked at John chapter number 15, and we talked about we must feed on Jesus Christ. Say the verse with me if you can. Without me, Jesus said, ye can do nothing. Child of God, you're going to starve to death. I promise you this. If you come and make yourself available, and let me give you in a nutshell, and I want you to pray for Brother Patrick. Uh, this may be the first time since we've done ministry together that I know of he missed two Sundays in a row. Bill Patrick does not miss church. I want you to pray for his health. Oftentimes, you come on a Sunday and you have no clue what is taking place on this corner throughout the week. You could come to Sunday school, and Brother Bliss, what's your Sunday school in the adult? What are you teaching on? Romans. Romans. So he's been in the book of Romans now. Makes me feel good about as long as pastor's been in. But Romans, he's in Roman, the book of Romans. You can learn. You can come. We're going to teach about the the, the uh, essentials of the Christian faith tonight. We have been. We've been on prayer. How we can spend one hour with God. You can come back Wednesday. We'll be in the book of Proverbs. You can come a half an hour before we teach and you can get with somebody and pray together. You can come on Friday and be in a disciple class called RU. You can come to men's prayer. You can come to these other functions, but I promise you this, you come to all of them. You're going to starve to death unless you're in the Bible on a Monday and a Tuesday and a Wednesday and a Thursday on your own. You have to feed on Jesus Christ. So we looked at last week the expression, so if I'm doing these things, if I pick up the passion and the purpose of Christ and I'm feeding on Him, how will that look? We broke it down into three different aspects of Christ's life. We looked at, first of all, his attitude towards his heavenly father, towards God. We say this, that if you and I are walking with God, we'll have the same attitude Christ had towards his heavenly father. And we looked at that towards three things. It was one of communion. He was communing with his heavenly father. It was one of cooperation. I must do the will of my father. And then it was one of confidence. Can I say to, this, you, to you, to this child of God, in the dark times that the ladies have sung about, and some in our church are going through that, in those dark times, you can still have confidence that God knows what he's doing. So it was with Jesus. Then we looked at towards man, Christ's attitude towards man is one of sincerity. He was the most sincere man that ever walked the face of the earth. It was one of sympathy, and it was one of service. And then we looked at towards Satan. He had two attitudes, and that was one of antipathy and authority. Child of God, you and I, because of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, have authority over the devil. Amen. 
Get thee behind me, Satan, he told Satan. Can, after Matthew chapter number 4, never again in any of the Gospels will you ever see Jesus talking to the devil except in one of an authoritative voice and commanding the devil. So today we look at it this. What will a man's life look like if he's in harmony with Jesus Christ? There back and look at verse Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Now what is he talking about? And I pray God your whole spirit and your soul and your body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We looked at this last week. The Mormons and the Jehovah's Witness do not believe in the Trinity. You and I are made in the image of God. He's a three-part being. We're a three-part being. And the Christian life will touch every part of our being. So let's talk about this God consciousness. Webster's 1828 says of consciousness, the knowledge of sensation and the mental operations of the mind and the will. So Webster couples together sensation and feeling. Now let me warn you. And we'll look at this in just a moment, not to guide and guard the Christian life according to your feelings. The danger we get into, and Brother Josh, if you have those first verses we can put up there, you think about this, that God should be, this is what Webster's saying, this is what Paul is saying in Thessalonians, that God ought to be in our thoughts. And if God is in our thoughts, it's going to work out into our feelings. He's going to touch your emotions. Go back to Genesis chapter 5. After the flood, God looked at man and he saw some things. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great, or this is before the flood actually was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. We need to throughout the week think on God. And think with God. There's some other verses. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his what? He's not conscience of God. He's not thinking about God when he gets up and goes to work. He's not thinking about God when he comes home. And the last one there is this. Their thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. Why? Because our thoughts are right. God places those thoughts in our mind because he wants us to be conscious of him. I ask you this this week. Look back on your week. When church was dismissed Sunday night when we said our last amen, were you God conscience on Monday as you went to work? Tuesday, Wednesday, we got back together. What does this look like? Now talk about this as Christians. Let's put the faith, let's put the, the, uh, the thought and the feelings together. We must be careful when we think that our faith, when we think our faith and attach it to the words feeling. How many of you sometimes, yeah, think about this. Did you ever do what I did? I know none of you did. When Kathy and I first got, when we got married, sometimes, Nathan, don't ever let this happen to you. Sometimes you forget you're married. Seriously. <laughs> You just think, I'm going to get married and she's home and I'm going to go with the boys. And then you go with the boys. Oh, no, i got a wife at home. Yeah. <laughs> I had to learn. She had to be in all of my thoughts. 
Sometimes, now let me ask you this, those of you that are married, sometimes, ladies or men, do you just sometimes not feel married? But you're still married. Sometimes we don't feel as we ought to feel, but that doesn't change the fact. Now let me, let's put the feeling together with the faith. I'm going to say this, as Christians, we exercise faith, then wait for the feeling. Will you say it with me? As Christians, we exercise faith, and then we wait for the feelings. I go back to a man that I love to this day. I don't see him, but a couple of times, but I led him to Christ in his home. He was an airman stationed at Barksdale Air Force Base in Bossier, Louisiana. We knocked on his door. His name was Mr. Bryant. Mr. Bryant is uh, Korean. He's Korean, Korean-American, and he married a Korean lady. His wife, and both of them as a family, they worshiped Buddha. I remember knocking on his door, and I remember now, Mr. Some of you military men, you're always like this. Uh, careful sometimes to smile or express emotion, and that's the way Mr. Bryant was. I asked him if he went to church, and he said, we serve Buddha and we worship here at home. And then I began to share Christ with him. And Mr. Bryant, I came to the point, now he was non-emotional. Yeah, no, yeah, just one little word answers or whatnot. And I said to him, after I, I said, can I take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure if you died, you go to heaven? Yeah. So I did. And I got to the end, I said, now, Mr. Bryant, would you like to do that? Would you like to pray and receive Christ? Yeah. And so we prayed together, and I forget who was with me. And we walked out of there, and I thought to myself, I didn't say it to my brother, I thought, that guy didn't get saved. But Sunday, there he was. He was there on Sunday. These are Buddha worshipers. And when the invitation was given, I hadn't gone over this with him. He walked down the aisle. And I met him at the aisle and said, why are you coming? He said, I need to be baptized. I didn't talk to him about baptism. Who talked to him about baptism? I need to be baptized. And God blessed that man in his life, and he's still in that church today, and he's serving and he's worshiping. But if you looked at him, yeah. And you might think like I did, boy, he didn't jump up and down. He didn't jump over the kitchen table. He really didn't get saved. Be careful as Christians we exercise, watch this, our faith first, and the feelings will follow. Now, how does that mirror, how does that look in Scripture? This is the problem, I think, today, and don't get mad at pastor today, but I think this is the problem of what passes much today about Christian music. It's all feeling. It has very little of any doctrine connected to it. It repeats seven things over and over again. It's kind of like Kanye West uh, leading his rap music uh, to Christians and people are getting sick. Can I say this to you? If our music is biblical, it will engage your mind before it engages your foot. I believe that. There's nothing wrong with tapping your toe. There's nothing wrong with, with a hearty amen or nothing wrong being moved with music. But the truth of the matter, it, it ought to move us first with the facts that are being sung and then the music. Uh, we were reading in our, in our Sunday school class that George Barna did a study and found out that most Americans today are coming to church to be entertained. Can I say this to you? We're not going to entertain you today. 
the music, the teaching, the, well, there is some entertaining sometimes when pastor has a muff. It's kind of entertaining, but we have a purpose to entertain you today because worship is not entertainment. But George Barna says the majority of people come to church today to be entertained, so the music is the primary way that we entertain when you come to church. It puts you in touch with your feelings before looking at your faith. It is when we think about what the song says that we should be touched. The music, and, 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 and Frank Garlock will tell us this, and, 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 and Ron Hamilton and other great theologians of biblical music, the music is the message. So when we bring rock, the rock beat, and we put Christian lyrics to the rock beat, now watch this, and some of the people in our church that were saved out of that rock lifestyle, they recognize that music for what it is. It's not Christian rock, it's rock. And God does not and cannot bless it. I know many of you don't live. Preacher, you lost me there because I really enjoy it. All right, now we're coupling together faith and facts. Let's look at the biblical order then. It goes this way, fact Faith, feeling. Will you say it with me? Fact, faith, and feeling. Go back to when you got saved. You first learned, touched your mind and intellect with the facts. You're lost because of, now think about it, you were born, man was born into sin. We choose to sin. We were lost in our sin. Is that when you got saved, did you not hear that fact first? And then we heard about a gracious, loving Savior who went to Calvary's cross and died for your sins and my sins. And we're not Calvinistic here. We believe the sins of the whole world. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He died for all. And those facts as a 12-year-old boy overwhelmed me at a bonfire in Monument, Colorado. I yielded to those facts. And I followed with my faith and confessed Christ and Jesus became my Savior. And that feeling stays with me to this day. Fact, faith, feeling. Don't get feeling in front of it. So let's talk about this consciousness. Let's wrap that all up together. Feelings will always grow where faith takes hold. Will you say it with me? Feelings will always take hold. Take hold where uh, feelings will always grow where faith takes hold. Some of you are waiting for the feeling. Right? Preacher, you know, sometimes people uh, tell me about how they walk with God and they love God and, and those kind of thing. And they, I sense that, but I don't have those feelings. Now watch this. Fact, faith, and feet will lead to feelings. It will. So look back, what does it mean to have consciousness of God? Romans 10, 9 through 13, I don't know if Brother Josh has it. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, now watch this, is the fact, what are you confessing? You've got to have the facts, who Jesus is. Amen. Hebrews tells us that you can't come to God unless you believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So understanding those facts, you're ready to turn to him, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart, oh, we like to get the heart involved, thou shalt be what? That's, that's a fact. But you might be like Brother Brian. I've led some to the altar, and they did a little dance. 
I've led Brother Bryant types, and they didn't even have a holy grunt. Is one more saved than the other? No, because they yielded to the fact, and they, the feelings go in, in conjunction with it. In the epistle of the Thessalonians, Paul speaks of Christ touching every man who accepts him in every aspect of his being. Man is a spirit dwelling in a body and having a mind or a consciousness towards God. Now, let me say this to you. If the flesh reigns and we think about the flesh, men, can I say this to you as a warning? The job of a pastor, I want to have a hanky. The job of a pastor is twofold. To warn against sin and put back the life of those who didn't heed the warning. And I would warn you, I've studied and I understand this and I've counseled. Men, stay off of the internet where there's pornography. Because your mind is going to be filled with the, with the lust of the flesh. And I'm going to say this to you. You might be saved and on your way to heaven. But when the flesh is reigning, watch this, you have no consciousness of God. Because if you did, when you turned that on and that nude or uh, oh, not well-dressed woman comes before, the Spirit of God would speak to you and say and convict you. So watch this. If the flesh reigns, the mind will be sensual. If the spirit reigns, the mind will be spiritual. Philippians 4.8. Some of you can quote these. What are we to think on? Now watch this. If you went home and you got your... Anybody, anybody watching? What, what mode is our... We got Blu-ray today. Is that how the movies are coming out? Are there DVDs still? I don't, know, I don't rent movies, so I don't know. Is there DVDs? I'm not trying to stump you. You go, you go to your little stash of movies. This should be the criteria. If those movies don't match up here, you should pitch them. Watch this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, uh-oh, there goes all Hollywood, just left. Whatsoever things are lovely, Watch over that now. Watch it. Killing guts, gore. Watch over things of good report. If there be any virtue and be any praise, think on these things. Why think on them? We want to have a God consciousness. We want God to move. We've got the facts of our Christian faith. And watch it. And that leads us to our faith. It will one day lead to the feeling. But our thoughts have to be right. Why do we think on these things? Can I tell you in a nutshell? Because Jesus did. Those are the thoughts of our Savior. Are they not? And you can come to church and you can memorize verses and you can tithe and give to missions, do all the things you're supposed to do. But if you and I don't think on Jesus, we are not going to walk in the Christian life like we need to walk. Look at how this looks. Colossians, or first. Corinthians chapter 2, I'm turning my Bible there. I don't know, some of these verses are up on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2 and verse number 16. Listen to what the Bible says here. Verse 16, for who hath, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? Now, I'm going to say what well, Paul, listen to this. I want to show you something. I want you to read the last five words of, of that verse. Do you have the mind of Christ? Paul's, the Bible says you do. But Philippians 2.5 tells us, let this 
mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So what is he saying? In, 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 in Corinthians there, he said, you have the mind of Christ. And in Philippians, he said, let this mind, here's what he's saying. If you're saved and on your way to heaven, you have the presence of the Holy Spirit of God in you, and he brings with him the presence of Christ, you have the mind of Christ. But sometimes throughout the day, we may not allow that mind to control our thoughts. The supreme consciousness of Christ then was the consciousness of God. He was conscious of God supremely over all, in all, and through all. He understood that God is in control. God is moving. God is working. This is a sovereign God in charge of everything. Now listen to this. I, and I mean this honestly. And Brother Miss Moore are gone, and I'm waiting for them to get back. I don't know about you. I'm politically plugged in, and I pray politically about some things that are happening. And I believe this. I wanted to see Louisiana flip. It didn't. God's still in control. We've got a, I believe, a political coup happening in our capital. We've got some people that don't like the president that's elected, and they're going to take him out. Can I say this to you, child of God? That bothers me. I know what's happening in our country, but I also know when I'm praying, when God is in my thoughts, that just like Jesus Christ, and I'm not much like him, but I want to be, but Jesus Christ understood at all times he had a God conscious, God's in control. Aren't you glad? And I think about this and prayed last night and prayed already this morning for Regina Kumar and Brother Kumar and Miss Kumar. We understand a little bit what it means to have a child hanging between life and death. Can I say this to you? When God's people are praying, they understand God is in control. What does that look like? Jesus was perfectly balanced, body, soul, and spirit. A spirit-controlled mind controlled body. Matthew 22 verse number 37 shows us this. Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Did Jesus love his father with all his heart, soul and mind? Amen. Are we to love our God with all our heart, soul and mind? Yes, we are. And Jesus was perfectly balanced. The only way to love God and the way Jesus did to be at all times conscious of him and his working in our lives and our world around us. To the mind of Jesus, follow me with this, the knowledge of God was not argumentative. It wasn't a bunch of theological facts that he just wanted to convince everybody. It was more than that. It wasn't just argumentative. It was personal. It was intimate. And the Apostle Paul bleeds through this in Philippians that I may know him. That word no is as close as we can get to the Old Testament no. And Adam knew his wife and they conceived and bare a son. And Paul's saying, I want to be intimate with my Savior. I want to know him, not just argumentative facts. I want to be so conscious of him. He takes control of my mind and my volition, my will, my spirit, my feelings, my body. That's the Christian life. Not we just come to church and hear a message and leave and never walk with him. Remember what we learned in the first message about Jesus' relationship to his father. Perfect communion. Perfect cooperation. 
and perfect confidence. The constant beat of his heart was, my father, my father, my father, my father. And I'm going to say this to you. If we're going to live the Christian life tomorrow morning, we're going to go out. We're going to get into the word of God. We're going to get in our knees in our prayer closet. And that same heart will be my Savior, my Savior, my Savior. And it would be almost impossible for you to go somewhere without understanding and telling somebody about the Jesus that saved you. Let's look at his, at his life practically. He knew God intellectually. There was a mental apprehension. He knew that God is love. That's an emotional apprehension. It dealt into his feelings. Did Jesus ever weep? Weep? At the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus, John eleven thirty five. The verse I learned when our Sunday school teacher said, if you learn a verse, we'll give you a candy bar. Jesus wept. Two words. Later on, as he's overlooking the city of Jerusalem, can you read these verses in the scripture? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft would I have gathered you as a mother hen gathered her chicks? But she would not. Was Christ a person that you could sense that the feelings of his faith were real and you saw it in emotions? He knew God intellectually. He knew that God is love. He knew that Jesus and that God is king. That's volitional apprehension. Look at John 1.18 and, and chapter 10 in here, if you would please. He knew that, that God is king. I ask you this. When elections don't go our way, is God still on the throne? He still is, isn't he? When we pray and ask for our, for our loved one and we say, God, I want you to work and use a doctor, use a nurse, and use medicine. But God, only you give healing. And it doesn't turn out the way we want. Is God still in control? We better have that consciousness and remember that he makes no mistakes. I have, I have communion with him and I have cooperation towards him and I have full confidence. Look at these verses. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. The other verse, I and my Father are. Sorry, Jehovah's Witness. Jesus is not a created being. He's the only begotten Son of God. He's God Himself, veiled in human flesh, sent to mankind. So we look at this, we know that He is King. Jesus acknowledged God in everything that He saw. Now, this is not pantheism. Pantheism says, when I touch a flower, I touch God. Pantheism says, when I go out on the lake, some of you that, that skip church and go out on the lake and catch a fish, well, I'm around God everywhere. No, you should be in church. This is not pantheism. I can't let the New Year's theme out, and it's bubbling in my soul right now. But one of the things that we'll see is what I want I, myself to do and what I want our church to do in the coming new year, and we don't have to wait till then, that we would walk in Pueblo, and we would see what God sees, and we would look at our nation, and we would see what God sees. That's God consciousness. That's what Jesus had. Everywhere that he went, this God consciousness also dominated his emotion. He wept at the tomb of Lazarus. He cried over the city of Jerusalem. Yet even in his God consciousness, in his emotional nature, he had complete peace and control that everything was under his Father's will. Matthew 6, he says this, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now watch this. I've seen Christians do this all the time. 
Nobody in this room is any more politically correct than Pastor. I mean, politically involved than Pastor. I mean, I just get, I get tuned in. My wife can tell you, presidential elections, I'm a mess. Can I tell you this? Our first order of business is not to get people to vote like we want them to vote. Our first order of business is help us to see what God sees and for us to introduce a lost and dying world. I love America. I love this country. I believe, as does our president, that, that God put a special blessing upon this country. There's not another one like it on the face of the earth. But can I say this to you? This old ship called America one day is going down. But I'm going to say this to you. So shouldn't we as God's people get as many people off the ship as we can? Shouldn't we turn their eyes towards another city whose builder and maker is God? Shouldn't we tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ? Shouldn't we do that? God consciousness, how can we not do it? Because we're not conscious to allow the mind of Christ to control our life will we'll look like this. Number one, he'll dominate our feelings. He will master our impulses. He will direct the activities of our life. I'm going to say it again. He'll dominate our feelings. He will master our impulses. He will direct the activities of our life. Christ dominates the center of a man's life. Other people around that person will notice. Some of you, I don't even remember the name of this film. A deaf man came to a church service much like today. He was saved and knew Christ as Savior, and the preacher implored the people to share their faith with those that were lost. But he couldn't talk. Some of you have seen this film true happen. I think it was down in Oklahoma. So here's what he did. He built a gigantic cross by the side of a very busy road, and he erected that cross, and he'd go about that busy road this is all he did. Cars are weaving by, I mean, hundreds of thousands, and he's just pointing them to the cross. If they pulled over, he had a track for them Amen. that told them about Jesus. You say, preacher, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. Great. Who are you taking with you? How sad it is that we've got people that have been saved 10 and 15 years, never led their first soul to Christ. This is not a soul-winning message. This is a message about if God is in our consciousness, then I'll love and I'll, I'll be understanding this week about those around us that don't know Jesus the Savior. What will it look like? He will dominate our feelings. He will master our impulses. He will direct the activities of our life. The man who has God conscience will be at peace in the deepest parts of his life. I hope you're praying for Brother Wolford and Mary. Every time, and Brother Bliss, I know you know him on a different level than I do. But every time I've had one-on-one -on -one with him. He's got cancer. He's 87 years old. He's going through chemotherapy one time a week and radiation five times a week. Brother Jim, you know what that's like. 87 years old. 
every time I'm with him privately, he says this, preacher, pray with me, preacher, pray with me, preacher, pray with me. God strengthened me, I could take care of Mary. God strengthened me, I could take care of my wife. God strengthened me, I could take care of Mary. If I was in that situation, I would want somebody taking care of me. Preacher, what are you talking about? But he follows that up with this. Every time I've talked to him, he said this. But if God doesn't heal me, then that's what's best. God consciousness, in the deepest part of our life, we understand even when we're out of control, he's in control. I ask you this as a child of God meeting here today. Is there any part of your life in relationship to others or something like that? And you just wonder what is happening. You're out of control. Can I remind you? And can I implore you to walk with him to the tune where you'll understand and have the peace that he's in control? Here's the conclusion. The consciousness of God in the life of a man will destroy everything that is, that is unlovely, mean, and base. It'll destroy all jealousy. It'll destroy all bitterness. It'll destroy criticism. It'll destroy hatred. How can a Christian get next to a, to a, to, to a Muslim who has vowed their death and love him in Christ. Amen. Told you about our missionary, Brother Johnston, now in heaven. I remember these days in the other building on the north side of town. After he preached to us, he said this. I said, Brother Johnston, why are you folks stateside, missionary to Haiti and the Dominican Republic? This is a big man. I mean, a rugged hog farmer from Missouri. Begin to weep and cry. He said, Pastor, some commandos broke into our house. They took my wife and my daughter over here. And they took me and my sons over here. He said, Preacher, they violated my wife. Six months later, they stole much of the stuff that was in the house, one of the things he stole was a Florsheim shoes. Six months later, that man walked down the aisle to be saved. That man violated my wife. You see what I'm saying? You say, preacher, I want a pound of flesh. You do and I do. But when we're God conscious, there's something that comes over us. And we love a man who's taking advantage. We love a man who would vow to die. Is that not our Savior? Corey Tin Boom, you know her story. They memorized those German guards, those SS guards. And one of the worst, she called them Scarface because he had a scar. On his face after the war had ended. The Germans were liberated and the Americans came back home in a meeting like this. Scarface walked into a meeting where Corrie Tin Boom was speaking. In her own words, she said this. There he was standing in that trench coat. And I could go back to that time when we were in prison. And what he did to my sister and myself. And what he did to mama. And I could go back to that time and watch this. And he came to me and he said, I come here today to ask your forgiveness. I've accepted Jesus my Savior. And Corey Tin Boom said she couldn't lift her hand. He extended his hand, and
and Corey Tinsboom's hand was stuck at her side. But the grace of God, the love of God flooded her and she held his hand and they embraced. Child of God, that is a child of God, full of God consciousness. He's in charge of the situations in our life, even when we are not in charge. So are we going to think about him this week? Are we going to allow him to destroy that bitterness and jealousy and criticism and hatred? Has no place in the heart of a God conscience Christian. The measure of which Christ has possession and control of our lives is the measure of our God consciousness. I want you to go back. Well, Brother Josh doesn't have that. Brother Josh, can you go back to that text? Or let me just remind you. I want you to say it with me. We have the mind of Christ. So would you say it with me? Okay, let's live like it. Tomorrow, get into his word. Think about that mind. When he speaks to you throughout the week, we have the mind of Christ. Be God conscious. Be understanding. He's control of everything, but he wants to control us body, soul, and spirit, every part of our being. What about you this morning?